Hi, I'm Dane Shiner. And I'm J.V. Hampton Van Sant. And welcome to Wannabe Film Buffs. Hashtag Movie Monday Edition, where we break off from the regular list and talk about something a little different. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hello, hello. Yes, so it is hashtag Movie Monday. So we just did Fight Club, and now we're going to talk about another movie that Brad Pitt was in. No, no. <laughs> That's the connection. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, that like feels like that's not much of a connection. But it's definitely enough of one. Definitely. He's the lead role. So, like... Yeah. Yeah. And, like... Uh... <laughs> That's all I have to say to introduce. Yeah. We're doing Interview with the Vampire. Every um... single person who told me this movie was good owes me an apology. Um... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have just screamed into the microphone. I apologize. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's correct. I understand. This movie doesn't hold up well. I can see why at the time it might have been a thing that people enjoyed because at that time we didn't really have a lot of like movies of this nature. We've seen a lot of vampires since this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like so many of them have been have taken from this and did it better. Yeah. Like, I also think the book would probably have held up better, but I didn't test that theory. Yeah, this is one of those uh, uh, instances where the author wrote the screenplay and it shows they don't know how to write a screenplay. Yep. Because you can't just copy and paste the book into a mm. script. <laughs> nope. You'll, you'll get something like this. <laughs> yep. And like, oh God, I love Anne Rice as an author for no actual reason other than <laughs> like being the mother of the modern vampire. Yeah. Like, which I like, I love her for that. I don't know that I necessarily like, I think I read one of her books and I don't remember which one it was. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, fuck. That one was about witches. <laughs> fuck whatever that's fine like she's uh, like and i recall from that that she is a good author i just like uh, the, her books are also long as hell and i just i don't i don't have time for it but like <laughs> that doesn't mean like that doesn't mean i don't enjoy them it's just i don't got full time to like dive into audiobooks like that that are like just yeah no absolutely not it's we it's a wild thing for me if an audiobook is long but only has one narrator there's a solid chance i'm not going to do it yeah i might read this book because i've really never with the exception of Cirque du freak i've never really read a vampire book or series Cirque du freak i can't like Look, first of all that were the shit they were no. I read all of them. I re I recall the ending be yeah. and being like reading that ending and being like, "Oh, bitch, what?" Like, uh, like, I, like I remember that. I remember that very strongly. I can also say that that movie was absolute bullshit. That movie was yeah. so bad. It fucking was. Oh my god! Like I remember because Cirque du Freak and then the Lightning Thief came uh, kind of at the same time. And those were both just absolute assaults on the course material. <laughs> they absolutely were. Oh my god. Oh. And like, yeah, vampire novels, I just, I haven't really gotten into them much either. But like, I don't know. I feel, I feel a little bit like the person, also, just as a general aside, the person that I really want to like write a vampire novel is for sure definitely oh my god why did i just forget his name oh i feel bad <laughs> oh i feel like abundantly terrible because i can like neil gaiman there you go i don't know why i just no, forgot no, neil gaiman's no, name no. he hasn't written a vampire book nope i think stories like individual short stories about vampires oh, but i could be wrong there 
I've read like almost everything he's put out. So like, mm. with the exception of the comic books that he's written, mainly because I haven't been able to get to them. Like I want to, I just I haven't been able to like dive into those. Yeah, he is a he is one of my favorite authors. Mm-hmm. I think he's my favorite male author. Yeah, I, think I, I can. I have had American Gods and the first two Sandman graphic novels sitting on my shelf. We're just waiting to be read, but mm. <sighs> oh, schoolwork. No, not even schoolwork because that's oh, over for fuck. weeks now. But like, well, true. I'm but trying still, to I was... hard to get into reading. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, it's hard to get that, back into the rhythm of reading. <laughs> that is very fair. Oh god, that is so fair. But yeah, yeah I think um okay, uh, no, all right, now that we've deviated from the movie like massively. Yeah. I think we should um, the movie. We, yep. So, um <laughs> interview, interview with a vampire, the Vampire Chronicles from 1994. Yep, directed by Neil Jordan and uh, screenplay by Anne Rice based on the novel by Anne Rice. And uh, we talked about why that shows. Um, Yeah, nominated for two Oscars. Yep, uh, art direction uh, won by The Madness of King George and Best Original Score won by The Lion King. Huh. Yeah. I don't know that this man has gone on to direct many things that have been interesting. I, his, it doesn't sound familiar. The, as a writer, he's been on some things that I've heard of. Um, I've never heard of the crying game, but that's like the thing that pops up the most for him. But, mm-hmm. oh, on Dean, I've heard of. I think I remember that movie. I don't I don't think I saw it, but mainly because that just reminds me of Mermaids, which is why I would have wanted to see it, but not actually have seen it. The Borgias, he was a... Oh, he was the creator of that one. That's fun. And he wrote 20 episodes. Okay. Well, good for him. Um, I don't really think that that matters a whole lot. Um, no? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, no, it's not looking... This is, like, a weird blip in that, like, this is one thing he did that, like, definitely... Because, I mean, while this movie didn't, <clears throat> didn't like, impress the Academy very much, clearly, mm-hmm. um, well, it did win a bunch of things in terms of awards. Um, did it really? Let's see. BAFTAs. Oh, one It BAFTAs. won two BAFTAs. Yeah, it won two BAFTAs for Best Cinematography and Best Production Design. Okay. Yeah, I can kind of see that it was... Yeah, uh, I can kind of see it. I don't know. I would have given it to them for costume design. Yeah. And also makeup, I would say. Yeah, which were things it was nominated for BAFTAs for, but it didn't get. Mm -hmm. Um... Kirsten Dunst later on for the 2020 awards in like 2015 was nominated for supporting act best supporting actress for this movie like just years later (laughs) oh shit the winner of the Saturn award for best uh, performance by a young actor best horror film and best costumes that was from 1995, the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, which okay. I had no fucking clue was an actual like academy, but I can I can buy it for that. Um, but it won a bunch of things, just not like the mainstream things, with the exception of like two BAFTAs, which yeah. sure, like fine enough, um, <laughs> I guess. Oh, Blockbuster Entertainment Awards? That had to have gone away, but that like clearly was kind of an important thing back when Blockbuster was like mildly important. Ooh, Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. Oh, okay. Best Supporting Actor, Antonio Banderas. Who was in two minutes of the movie? I was about to say, I don't even fucking remember him in this movie. God. Best makeup effects. Got it. Yep. Best supporting actress, Kirsten Dunst, who honestly 
was the best actor in this entire fucking movie and she was a child yeah (laughs) oh my god uh she did very well very very well we should dive into the synopsis. It doesn't seem too long, but it seems long enough that we should dive into it. Which is weird. Not much happened in this movie. I don't really know why this is this long. Me neither. Schmeh. But here we are. Alrighty. Oh, also forgot that Christian Slater was hot, but whatever. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Like, I remember that being a thing. Oh, you know why I remember that being a thing? The Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, which I believe came out the same year as this one. Huh. Yeah, no other connection. No making zero other connection. Simply saying that those, just generally speaking, happened around the same time. Uh Um, okay. In modern-day San Francisco, reporter Daniel Malloy sets up recording equipment in a run-down upper-level apartment. He intends to interview Louis de Pond... Louis de Pondelac, I think? Whatever. Fine. That's Louis. Whatever. Louis, a.k.a. Brad Pitt. Um, (laughs) Who claims to be a vampire. Malloy is skeptical until Louis brashly displays his supernatural gifts, moving swiftly across the room to turn a light. To turn on a light. Louis' skin is translucent, and he oozes charm. Oh, does he? Mm. What a fool, me. He oozes depressed. Yeah, he oozes (laughs) depression, not charm. (laughs) He oozes, like, lazy, depressed malaise. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. <laughs> it's got me tickled. It's got me tickled. Woo. Yeah. So uh, Louis begins his story in 1791, where he is a young plantation owner living on his estate in Louisiana. Having lost the will to live due to the, due to the deaths of his wife and infant child in childbirth, he squanders his wealth and gambles in shady bars, welcoming death. While wandering the waterfront, drunk in company of a harlot, he is attacked by a vampire named Lestat de Lioncourt. It's probably French, so it's probably not how you pronounce it, but... Lestat de Lioncourt. Yeah. Lioncourt. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Uh, The woman is killed and Louis is fed on, but allowed to live. Lestat has sensed Louis' descent for life and returns to him to offer him a new one, giving him the choice I never had. Louis meets Lestat in a cemetery where the vampire drains him to the point of death before offering him his own blood. Doing so transforms Louis into a newborn vampire, and he is amazed at the change. I liked how you have to drink from a vampire to become a vampire, so like, being bitten doesn't like cause a bunch of accidental vampires. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't I can't think of many like this is one of those moments where I'm like, yeah, so this is a thing where um this clearly is a thing that she like not that I don't think cuz I think this was in Dracula that that happened as well, but I think it was less it was less like this specifically yeah like in this one they almost die but not actually die yeah whereas in dracula like they definitely died (laughs) like they, they fully actually died um and then slowly but surely are brought back and are monsterish but like i don't know this was an interesting an interesting take on that and i i like seeing it It also feels like one of the more like one of the original takes on it yeah if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah however he quickly comes to regret his decision and finds feasting on humans immoral (sighs) god damn it (laughs) anyway (laughs) whereas lestat revels in the pleasure of killing because we're 
we're in a movie about sociopaths, y'all, in case you didn't realize it, but fine. Um, <laughs> so, a- as such, Louis begins to suffer and survives by feasting on rats and other small animals. Lestat lives with Louis at his plantation, and the slaves begin to grow anxious in his presence. At a party, Lestat convinces Louis to seduce a wealthy but older heiress in order to drink her blood, while Lestat feasts on her powdered servant. Um, oh, Jesus. <laughs> her powdered servant. It's just a wild... Like, I mean, I that is an accurate description, but also, bitch, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man. While Lestat feasts on her powdered servant, Louis attempts to feed, but goes for the woman's irate poodle instead, which was fucking hilarious to me. That was wonderful. (laughs) God, that was so funny. Um, Hearing the commotion... Hearing the commotion and the woman's terrified cries, Lestat rushes over and snaps her neck and berates Louis. So, one thing I don't understand... Is that, so Lestat in this little sequence says that the blood of evil people tastes better. Mm. And maybe that says something a little bit about me, but why is he so upset? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? I'm sorry. I'm confused. Why is the, the blood of evil people tastes better? So why not just like drain evil people of blood because they already taste better instead of just being so fucking depressed that is a marvelous question and i don't know why he doesn't like that's one of the points of this movie that i don't quite understand that's brought up and then it doesn't feel like that's ever brought up again yeah like or rather it feels like that's not that that's a that's a thing that you write an entire fucking story about. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe that's one of the other things within the quote unquote chronicles, if you yeah, will. Maybe. But like, to not focus on that for this feels like a missed point. Like, because if the thing that he specifically doesn't like is the killing of people, and yet, can some you can somehow form a justification of? But that bitch is evil and got <laughs> yeah, away right. with being evil, which happens to enough people. Honestly, probably the reason that didn't happen is he would have just wound up killing a bunch of white supremacists. Um, <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> not to tie it into when we are recording this. However, um, <laughs> very specifically, this feels like a oh. So this person escaped the justice of the legal system. So, so we're just going to mark this person for death by vampire now. And that just, like, it, it's a thing that could work. It's a thing that could happen. And yet, for some reason, I mean, granted, I guess that's the plot of Dexter, but like... <laughs> oh, man. I would actually love to see Dexter as a vampire movie. That would be very interesting to me for that same reason. But, well... Mm. you're right that is like an easy solution that they just don't go with like isn't vampire dexter just blade oh shit you're right actually (laughs) (laughs) god speaking of movies that were also like pretty goddamn bad (laughs) i have not seen the blade movies i know a bit about the comics and that's it (laughs) oh they are they i like tried to rewatch one kind of recently they're bad (laughs) like they're bad but like it, they're bad, but, like, it was a start. And without that, you wouldn't have the Marvel Universe. True. Like, true. I, things that we very quickly forget, without that, Daredevil and Elektra, we would not have the Marvel Universe. Which feels buck wild when you, like, sit down and think about it. Yeah. But it is very much true. We had to go with those, like, fucking failures of movies. Like, and yeah. mind you, I love both Daredevil and Elektra. Those <laughs> were the two movies that, like, turned me into the superhero movie lover. Okay, but I just keep thinking of that one scene where Daredevil and Elektra are, like, fighting on the playground. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which like, oh fuck, that's a wild, scene. that's a wild scene. Oh my god! And then like they're, 
Oh, and then they're like training to an Evanescent song, which is really the thing that got me. Yeah. Um, oh God. <laughs> like, let's be real. That is the thing that got me. That's the reason I love those movies. But also, like, I like Electra. Her costume was like hot as fuck, and I loved it. Um, and also, like, I don't know that. Uh, whatever it was fun it it was fun oh you also because daredevil is such an angsty movie yeah like he is just filled with angst and it is joyous <laughs> um, it is a beautiful thing I, I i don't know i was an angsty fucking teenager when those movies came out okay damn like <laughs> oh fuck anyway back to this one in the interview um wait a minute is that you or me no, that's you. Okay, cool. Uh, in the interview, Malloy asks about vampire stereotypes, coffins, crucifixes, garlic, and stakes through the heart. Louis admits that most are nonsense except coffins. Secure and comfortable, they're one of the only sensible things a vampire can rest in with no fear of the light. Or you can just sure. put um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have, Or you can just put curtains on your bed. <laughs> or you could put curtains on your bed. You know, like those fucking four posters with like those thick ass curtains. Yeah, it's like or a bitch just board up the windows. Shit, like I mean, Both the windows. <laughs> I have never understood <laughs> for vampires. Yes, they are undead creatures. Does not mean they are. Does not mean they have to sleep in coffins. Oh my god, I mm, hate it. Hey, you are you are correct. I think it's just I it's it's that weird thing of like okay, one of the other things too is it's never like a regular ass coffin. Yeah. It is always a like one of the elaborate ass coffins that would cost like upwards of $10,000. Also side note, let us just briefly derail to talk about how like coffins are wildly the fuck expensive. Like they are so (laughs) goddamn expensive. Like they like it, it truly like, Oh God. Like, and I'm talking basic coffins, like just basic everyday ones. The most common ones that go into the fucking ground on a daily basis are so goddamn expensive. And I don't understand why they like, cause everything that goes into them is actually not that like the cost of materials doesn't add up to like what they actually are. And ultimately, they serve no purpose other than to look pretty when you're putting somebody the fuck into the ground to decay. So I don't understand why they're pretty. (laughs) A pine goddamn box will serve us fine here. Shit. Like, people like like, get rid of all of the other vampire stereotypes, but keep the coffin one as if that's the one that makes the most sense. Like, right? Like, make them deathly allergic to garlic. You're done. (laughs) Deathly allergic to garlic is also a one that, while I understand it, kind of, I think it has something to do with blood thing, and also their senses are heightened, and garlic smells weird. Yeah. Um, like just like simply based on that, I'm like, yeah, no, that one makes logical sense, except. To me, garlic does not have that weird of a smell, so I do not think that would be a problem. Blood thinning, maybe. So maybe I won't eat it, but like smelling it and having it around, not as much of an issue. (laughs) But like, I don't, like, it doesn't, it's also still one that feels wild because there are also many other things that are not garlic that have the same thing. Like an onion also should, in theory, do that, but like it doesn't have that same thing. Oh, that's funny. Anyway, vampire logic aside, um, this is a, just a funny thing. I also never really understood the stake through the heart thing other than like, well, it doesn't really need to be a stake now, does it? It can just be anything. Just stab the fuck through this thing that is bumping things throughout the body. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean... <laughs> and also that they did away with the whole chop off the head so you know it really ain't coming back. Yeah. Like, can we talk about the fact that 
there is a whole piece of American history where we actually still did that. And that wasn't that long ago. It was like, (laughs) it was in the 1800s, but like, realistically, the 1800s really was not that long ago. No. Like, it's not long enough that we should have still been doing that. You know what I mean? Like, but it's wild. Anyway, the American Vampire League, that was one of, that was what it was called. It was that they were, they were concerned about the chopping off of, anyway, we'll get to that at another point. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That'll go up in the group chat later. Let's, let's be real. Um, um, So. During an evening at home, Louis has a rare moment alone with his servant, Yvette, played by Thandie Newton, who is one of my favorites and also black royalty. Anyway, moving forward. (laughs) Who confides that she and the other slaves are concerned about their master and how he never eats or comes out during the day anymore. She comforts Louis, but he takes her wrist and feeds from her. She screams and Louis suddenly has to stifle her um the other slaves growing having grown suspicious of him over time approach the mansion um with torches to see louis carrying yvette's body out he grabs one of the torches and tells the slave the slaves their master is damned and that they should leave and he sets the mansion on fire because this bitch is dramatic um (laughs) Like, I mean, yes, he did just kill a woman, but also, this is dramatic, dude. Like, come on. Um, Lestat arrives and scolds Louis, who seems bent on punishing himself for his sins. Lestat takes them to a mausoleum where they can sleep safely during the day. Just one minute. Just one thing I want to draw attention to. Yep. The slaves are concerned about their master and how he never eats or comes out during the day anymore. What well, what do you mean anymore? Like this guy how long has this guy been a vampire? <laughs> right, well at this point it seems like it wasn't that long ago. Like it like it feels like it wasn't super long in between these things. But like st- st- anymore they're talking about Lestat. Who has, who is the most vampire vampire? He doesn't. Oh, wait. Are they talking about Lestat? It seems like I thought. Um, isn't this. This is Louise. Oh, this is Louis? Yeah, this is okay. Louis. Yeah, this is his. This I'm is his plan. are talking about Lestat. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's been a vampire forever. <laughs> no, no, no. This was. This was Louise uh, Plantation, which is why he. Which is why when he walked out and was like, your master is cursed. It, he he was referring to himself. That's why I called him dramatic. That is what had me really fucking confused because there's only the third goddamn person. Yeah. Like, your master is damned. And I'm like, what? you dramatic bitch. Calm down. Like. Yes, you are like maybe, bitch. If you didn't deprive yourself so goddamn much, you wouldn't fucking explode and accidentally kill people. You fucking idiot! Like, which is actually the thing I would have said to him almost immediately. <laughs> like, like almost immediately when he started like killing poodles or whatever on accident, I would have been like, "Well, bitch, if you fed on a on a human every so often, you would not." have this problem you'd be able to control yourself yeah god damn it like uh it's that same principle behind why like a lot of like well not a lot i guess actually kind of a lot but whatever why various serial killers have this like thing where if you look at their background for all of five minutes you start to see the point at which repression happened yeah (laughs) And, like, you almost immediately are like, oh, fuck, right here, actually. Right here was where we developed some problems with women because of repression. And I'm like, ah, well, mm-hmm, there you are, right there. And it's not to say that, like, had they had another outlet, they wouldn't have killed people. But, like, it's it, repression doesn't help. It never helps. No. <laughs> like, it never helps. But whatever. That's. 
toxic masculinity for him partially. Yeah. But well. Hmm. I believe this is yours, right? I have been sitting here wondering that. Yep. I think this part's yours. Alrighty then. <laughs> yep. uh, eventually Woo! they find a new dwelling in New Orleans, but Louis remains despondent, refusing to feed on humans, even when Lestat has them offered on a silver platter. In one instance, Lestat brings home two prostitutes and toys with them before killing them, trying to entice Louis to give in to his nature to end his suffering. Lestat's philosophy is one of pleasure out of necessity. They must feed, so why not have fun? He tries to persuade Louis to end his suffering, to no avail. Louis wanders the streets one night and stumbles on a sector infested with plague. He discovers a little girl, the only good thing about this movie, weeping at the decomposing body of her mother. She runs to Louis for comfort, but he is suddenly overcome with hunger and feeds from her. Lestat appears, laughing and celebrating Louis' break from abstinence by dancing with the girl's dead mother. That was that was funny. dark, but so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Louis please, but lament that he finally felt what peace could be by allowing himself to be a vampire. Oh boy. Um <laughs> I should we should mention that at this point the vibe between Louis and Lestat is definitely like the odd couple. Yeah. <laughs> like for sure the odd couple. Yeah. But like it and then it shifts to well something else that we're going to get to in a moment. Um <laughs> Oh dear. He returns to the home that he shares with Lestat to find <laughs> that he brought the little girl back with him alive. At appealing to Louis's compassion and to convince him to and to convince him to stay with him, Lestat turns the girl, making her a vampire, which he names Claudia. Because now they're suddenly two gay dads, and that's just how this movie worked out. Anyway, forgets her damn name. <laughs> right? I was like, this is okay, sure. I'm like, Louis resents Lestat for this, but comes to love Claudia as his own daughter. Again, two gay dads. That's what that's what this is. That's exactly what this movie is. And don't let anybody tell y'all otherwise. Um, <laughs> um, uh, he and Lestat dote on her and shower her with luxurious clothes and dolls. And Claudia grows to be a talented killer, um, using her childlike charms to lure her victims. Lestat is proud of his apt pupil, but though time passes, Claudia remains a little girl immortal. When she realizes she can never grow old and look as women do, as other women do, it says as other women do, I feel like it should say that she can't look any older than like 12. Yeah. <laughs> I think just easier way to say that. She becomes fucking enraged. Um, as That's again, not what's written there, but I, whatever, I'm improvising. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she demands that Louis tell her how she came to be and after hearing the story blames Lestat for her condition. She tells Louis that it's time for them to leave Lestat and devises a plan since Lestat would never let them go. On the basis of a truce, she fools Lestat into drinking dead blood from two boys she had overdosed with laudanum. Having fed from the dead, Lestat is incapacitated, and Claudia slits his throat, which is a really fucking wild thing to watch a 12-year-old Kirsten Dunst do, but okay. Um, she and Louis take Lestat into the bayou and dump his body in alligator-infested waters. Yep. Which, 
Jesus Christ. Like, this movie is dark and wild, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> mm. They return home to pack, intent on leaving for Europe to start a new life, but Lestat returns, decrepit but alive, having fed on alligators and other animals in the swamp. He attacks Claudia for having been a very naughty little girl, but Louis sets him and their home on fire. Louis and Claudia flee and make it to their ship in time to see the whole neighborhood aflame. They travel through the Mediterranean and across Europe, seeking other vampires, but never finding any. Eventually, they settle in Paris, and one night, Louis encounters a vampire named Santiago, who is fucking bonkers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jesus Christ. He haunts him before meeting Armand, a seductive vampire who theorizes that after 400 years, he must be the oldest vampire in the world. Armand invites Louis and Claudia to live with him at his coven, the Theatre des Vampires. That's really the name of their troupe. The Theatre des Vampires. I'm not calling it that, but that's fine. I just, I, there are just weird accents on things in this, and I'm like, what? French. The vampire. I'm like, I haven't spoken French in years, and it's just wild. But uh, anyway. I've been learning French on Duolingo. <laughs> ah, oh, man. And it's Let's... fun. <laughs> Quarantine has us doing some wild shit, let me tell you. I mean, I was already practicing my Spanish and wanted to do at least Spanish and French, because those are the non-English languages most widely spoken in our bordering countries. That's true. You should then do Italian because it's easy. It's easy once you've gotten those first two. True, but I'm also really OCD about the way I organize things. That's so perfectly fair. I'm also <laughs> learning languages tied to my heritage. Ooh, also Portuguese. <laughs> oh, Portuguese, yeah. Because... I've spoken a lot in uh, South America. Exactly. I was like, that one actually makes more sense than Italian, but, well, you know. Yeah. It's fine. Anyway. Uh, um, anyway. Uh, you were at, uh, where at vampire, the name of the company. Yeah. Where vampires pretending to be humans, pretending to be vampires, stage horror shows for humans, though they actually feast on unsuspecting patrons. Claudia is disgusted by their cheap theatrics <laughs> because the girl has taste, but Louis Woo! is drawn to Armand by his charm and wisdom. Finally, a movie depicting thespians as blood-sucking monsters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dragged. Holy shit. Good God. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> oh. Santiago is able to read Louis' mind and suspects that he and Claudia murdered their companion, Lestat, of whom they knew a a taboo among vampires. Claudia is a taboo herself in that no vampire should create an undead child, which I have to tell you was the one part of this movie that I fucking remembered. (laughs) Like, that's wild, but I remembered that part from when I watched this movie in, like, 2003. Huh. Like, just remembered this bit about, like, ooh, bitch, you weren't supposed to make an undead baby. Mm Mm-mm. Hell no. Of the things of vampire lore that were made for this movie, this one makes definitely the most sense. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, because exactly why she freaks the fuck out. Also, because a child that is undead and feeds on you, first of all, is a little too much of a good metaphor for an actual child, but I'll leave that alone. Like, (laughs) and I like children, but I acknowledge the fact that they are parasites. It is simply how that works. It's fine. Now, um, (laughs) with this specifically, it was just weird to like have that still be a thing. Whatever. It's fine. Um, Anyway, with this knowledge, Armand tries to get Louis to leave Claudia with, sorry, to leave Claudia to live with him, which also. Thank you kindly. Um, (laughs) Louis is tempted, 
yearning to learn what he could not learn from Lestat. Sensing that he is leaving, Claudia demands that Louis leave her a companion and brings a woman named Madeline to to their home. Madeline has agreed to change for Claudia so that she can adopt her. Louis reluctantly concedes. However, as soon as Madeline completes her first transform uh, sorry completes her transformation the parisian vampires invade their home and abduct the three of them sure um they encase louis in a metal coffin and trap claudia um and madeline in a well oh sorry in a well open to the sky above at dawn um Madeline and Claudia are burned to death by the sun before Louis, freed by Armand, can get to them. <sighs> Enraged and grieving over his loss of Claudia, Louis sets the coven on fire, killing most of the vampires. <clears throat> he escapes with Armand, who again offers him a place by his side, and Louis refuses. Decades pass, and Louis wanders the world, dejected and alone before eventually returning to the United States and returns to New Orleans. One evening, he finds himself visiting his old plantation and mansion, neglected and in ruin. There he discovers Lestat, living alone, a shadow of his former self, who cringes at car headlights and hasn't adapted to the new world. Louis pities Lestat and leaves him. Mm-hmm. This concludes the interview with Malloy, but to Louis' disdain, Daniel only see, sees the potential power in being a vampire and requests that Louis turn him. Louis retorts that his life is nothing but suffering and angered leaves the apartment in a flurry. Uh, Daniel leaves the apartment frightened by Louis and by Louis' rage and drives off playing the cassette from the interview. Moments later, Lestat appears like a bat out of hell, which is also very funny. Um, just, I, ha, what a funny description to add here. But anyway. Um, right? Um, and bites Malloy. Having gained some strength, he puts Malloy in the passenger seat and drives the car himself across the Golden Gate Bridge. He turns off the cassette tape, uh, moaning over Louise's constant complaining and offers Malloy a choice. The choice he never had. Because Lestat all of a sudden knows how to drive cars. <laughs> Which is a great fucking point. <laughs> like, my we're fucking Our headlights never leaving us as a shriveled mess. And 20 minutes later, knows how to drive a fucking car. Um. The most wild bullshit. This movie is low-key a bullshit movie, but it's fine. Plot holes all throughout this bitch. (laughs) And I need to say, the part at which I fell asleep was the part at which Armand showed up. (laughs) And I woke up again, like, immediately after, like, Armand left. Like, I literally directly right there is the amount that I cut, that got cut out from my watching experience. (laughs) And here's the fucking thing. That whole section could have been gone. (laughs) Like, because I finished the movie before then going back and figuring out the section that I missed. And that whole section doesn't need to be there and the story still makes sense. Yep. Like you just somehow have to have to basically say like, yeah, some wild shit happened with Claudia and she died, but like, whatever. <laughs> like, and that's really it. Like, and then the rest of it, like, I don't know, the rest of it was fine and was actually a good cap to the story if you sort of capped it without that section. Yeah. It's a good, that section is like kind of a fun section. Mm-hmm. It's honestly the section with the most action in it. Mm-hmm. But like it, it, if you cut that section out and you just hop to the end of the movie from there, it still makes sense. Yep. 
which uh, that goes to a specific kind of issue with this type of movie. <clears throat> and one of the things that I think will come back a lot on for the rest of these sort of for a lot of the movies on our actual list, which mm-hmm. I is, I believe you called it a vampire slice of life film, which I thought was fucking hilarious, and I yeah. I died. I died. That was so funny. Um, because that is exactly what this movie is. And the problem with slice of life movies is if you cut out a full section, it still makes sense. Yeah. And that's just fundamentally going to be a problem for me. Yeah, and like in every single slice of life-esque movie that we've gone through, there is literally no plot or point or goal or anything holding this entire thing together. Preach. Uh, But the Academy loves this shit, so here we are. Yeah, they love that shit, and yet they didn't really love this one, with the exception of the BAFTAs, and I still don't understand why the BAFTAs like this movie. Me neither. Like, I I gave it a, I would give it a point for costumes and design, and that's honestly about it. Because, like, this movie is beautiful, but the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this movie's beautiful, but fuck? What? Girl. Ugh. It's very contrived. Mm-hmm. Like, we would need to learn way more about Louis for us to actually be interested in why he's like this. Yeah. Like, honestly, even if it had just been like, listen, Louis was prone to depression long the fuck before all this happened. So that makes sense as to why he'd be depressed about this whole fucking thing going forward. Yeah. But we don't get that with this one. And we just sort of have to assume that he's like that. I don't like we're just I guess. And I guess part of that's the fact that he's sort of narrating the story. (laughs) So like it's just sort of understood that he has a point and is like blameless in things. Like because he's telling the story, which is one of the reasons he's an unreliable narrator. But whatever. Yeah, just like I just, oh my god, just fucking sad boys, just telling their goddamn sob stories, just fucking uh, preach, preach me with me. that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, y'all, y'all can miss me with that bullshit. Mm. I would rather have watched the Vampire Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> Which, correction, I would rather watch the last season of The Vampire Diaries, which is sad. I skipped that one. <laughs> like Now, mind you, I did watch most of The Vampire Diaries, but I got to a point where I was like, see, now the main character of this whole thing left, and it doesn't make sense to keep watching this. <laughs> so I stopped, and yet somehow... And also, Buck Wild, the spinoff of that show, took place in New Orleans and had a lot more black people in it and honestly was a better show and they should have started with that one. <laughs> but like, ugh, it, it like the, those that the originals basically is this movie, but correct. <laughs> <laughs> like and makes more sense and holds up to various rules and also includes more than simply vampires. I like movies where it is not simply vampires alone, but vampires and werewolves. Yes. Those are fun. And honestly, that is basically what the originals is, and also including witches, um, because it's always fun when you throw witches in there. Mm-hmm. Also True Blood, which is very fun. I have not seen True Blood. True Blood's worth getting into. Okay. The acting's a little wonky in some places, but I enjoyed it. It's it's a fun vampire romp. And like, I don't know. I just appreciate them. Also, Jason Stackhouse is the exact kind of like hot is hot idiot that I really like. <laughs> Where he's like very sweet and occasionally Oh, and also because of the nature of how vampires are in that show, occasionally occasionally does very gay shit and is unaware that he's doing it. Oh, <laughs> love that. Eat that up with a spoon. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but... So, pros and cons? 
Yeah, well, I already gave them mainly, which is that I this movie's pretty. That's its pro. Um, also, uh, uh, fucking what's her name? Um, Kirsten Dunst as a child actor shines. Actually, fun thing: the two movies we are recording today both have child actors that are fucking incredible. <laughs> like, and I don't understand how that's possible. And there's like a five year difference between this movie and the next one we're going to record. Yeah. Or no, I'm sorry. There's only a two year difference. I think. Wait, when was this movie released? Hold on. Ninety four, right? Yeah, yeah. This one was ninety four, and the next one was ninety seven. So, three years difference between those movies, and both of those actresses are fucking incredible. Also, how the fuck old is Kirsten Dunst? Actually, I just realized I need to sort of figure this out. I have no idea. Oh, she was born in nineteen eighty two. Which makes her, like, slightly older than I thought she was during this movie. Huh. Wild. Uh, God, she's fucking amazing. Now that I'm looking at, like, all the shit she's been in, I fucking love her. She's, she good. She good. I like her. She good. Oh, bitch, she was in Hidden Figures. Totally forgot. Anyway, um... I, it's just, uh, she was the best actor in this movie. And I think actually this is a, um, Brad Pitt uh, in this is like, I just, I don't know that it's his fault. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to just say, I don't think it's his fault that this wasn't. This definitely seems like a director reason why the actors besides Kirsten Dunst are terrible. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and i don't know like because like i i definitely can't blame this on i i can't blame like this on the actors and the quality of actor because i because the only actor that fucking shines in this movie like weirdly is like is fucking uh what's her what's his name jesus is uh tom cruise like he is wildly good at this movie, but like I it doesn't make sense that he's good. It it the only way I can explain that is he's good in this movie because and very specifically because I don't think he responds well to being directed. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't know really because, well, most of his movies are based on him being a stunt guy. So, ah, uh, right, precisely. Sense. Yeah, well, I mean, even with those, you don't really have to be like you don't have to respond well to direction for those. You just sort of yeah. do it. Oh wait, bitch, she was in Anastasia. Girl, wait a god. <gasps> Girl, she was young Anastasia. Wow, girl, I'm so surprised. Oh my god. Kirsten Dunst was young Anastasia in the Anastasia movie. Okay. That is fucking surprising. My <laughs> god. I like ha- that was my actual favorite fucking like animated movie when I was little because I was dark and well Dark Russian movies are apparently a thing I just casually love on occasion. All right. It's fine. Uh, also, Liz Calloway and all of the songs she did for that movie are incredible. Anyway, um, because I sing along to Once Upon a December like every few days. Anyway, right. it's fine. Um, the, moving away from all of that. So, cons, the yeah. rest of the movie. <laughs> My cons are that uh, other than Kirsten Dunst, the acting is terrible in this movie. And Mm. I I have something that's more terrible than the acting, which is the fucking hair. Ah! It was the 90s, okay? Damn it, it was the 90s. Like, for vampires to just like not get haircuts ever, just to get bitten or get get fucking vampirized, and then they just 
never get a haircut? Is that part of the vampire contract? Why, yes. Didn't you know? No! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, ooh, bitch. Artemis Fowl is coming out on, on June 12th. Holy shit. They they said fuck the theaters and they're putting it on Disney Plus. I apologize. I that wasn't necessary for this. I just I it was on a list of things that were coming to Disney Plus. Um probably because I was looking at Anastasia. But like it's coming to Disney Plus on the on the twelfth. Anyway, sorry. Um but yeah, no, the hair is purely because this movie was made in the nineties. Like that's that's the only reason that happened. I still hate it. <laughs> oh, of course. Like, I I fully recall, like, the time period in which Brad Pitt had his hair short. Like, I don't know why I have that memory from, like, my actual childhood. But I do. Like, his hair was like that not just because he was in this movie. Yeah, I think... I don't remember. Like, it was cut by the time he did... um, Like, it was cut by 99. But, like, prior to that? No. Oh, my. Anyway. um, I don't know. I guess let's go through our rating system. (laughs) Oh boy! I think that's uh, just a, the last thing that needs to happen. Yep. Uh, plot. No, that's a hard pass for me. That is an absolute no. Uh, pacing. No, for me. I fell asleep. That's a no. <laughs> for uh, me, I mean. Anyway, uh, acting and characters. Uh, Kirsten Dunst is not good enough in this movie to give a star for the rest of the entire cast, so I'm not giving it a star for that. I'll give it half, mainly because I feel like I I enjoyed Tom Cruise's performance and Kirsten Dunst's performance, so I'll give it half, but that's just me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Writing. No. (sighs) Nope. Not for me with all those fucking plot holes. Mm-mm. Uh, soundtrack I'm giving it a star because when I was watching it I vividly remember thinking wow this soundtrack is amazing yeah I didn't like that do- that part doesn't didn't stand out to me okay. and in fact I think that might have been one of the reasons I fell the fuck asleep okay. like it like the soundtrack a little bit lulled me into sleeping which is not great considering I fell asleep during multiple murders occurring. <laughs> so that is a no from me. All right. So I would like to tell you that this movie currently at this point in time in the list has half a point from me. <laughs> Mine has one star. <laughs> oh, no. Jesus. Uh, directing. Hard pass. How can because you make this bad? Huh? How do you make Brad Pitt bad? <laughs> exactly. Because, like, I having reviewed other movies that he's been in, he's not a bad actor, oh. which is also funny because I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> like, like listeners, I had a realization that I thought that Brad Pitt was awful, and that may, and I, I then had to sit down and realize that the main reason I thought he was awful is because he's pretty. <laughs> Which is fucked up on my part and whatever. But like at the simultaneously, like, no, he he's good. And because he's good, I don't know how the fuck they did this to him. And that's yeah. weird. So that's a hard pass for me on that one. Uh, cinematography. Never really noticed anything that was a good shot. I gave this a. Oh, wait, hold on. Because design is the next one, isn't it? Uh, cinematography, immersion, rewatchability, and overall enjoyability. Oh, so I guess this is the one where design factors in. Sure. Yeah, so for this one, I'm gonna give it, um, I'm gonna give it a point, but my only issue is that I then want to give it a point and a half, mainly to round it off. (laughs) But no, I'll give it just one point. 
obviously, because it didn't exceed expectations in that, so it just gets a point. But, like, it it was pretty, and it did give the vibes of each location it was supposedly set in. All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, (laughs) Immersion, did you stay engaged? I fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Rewatchability. No. I do not want to watch this movie again. Same. So nope. Uh, so, no. So this is where this is where it gets kind of weird for ten overall enjoyability. Um, even though this movie was atrocious, and I don't want to watch it again, mm-hmm. I still enjoy it. <laughs> That's fair. Like I mean, getting a star from me. <laughs> I'm giving it a half one for this because I enjoyed parts of it and like it didn't piss me off outright. Gotcha. Like it didn't do anything that outright offended me. So I'll say that I enjoyed it because I didn't like I may have fallen asleep. Yes, but I still like during the parts where I was awake, like enjoyed it. And I don't like I also know that I just normally am exhausted so that might have had something to do with why i was like not feeling it for like parts of it but i mean i don't know it's i'll give it a half for it and that just rounds it off to two cool we both gave it two stars (laughs) fabulous wow (laughs) i mean i guess that just makes our overall rating easier because we overall rated it a fucking two um which is woo. Oh, honey, that's a one out of five from us. Um, fuck. Uh, well, that's that movie. Yeah. Uh, so join us next week, or rather, more accurately, join us on Friday for a different movie. Um, it's supposed to be Forrest Gump, but here's the thing. It's not going to be. I don't want to spoil the surprise for them yet as to what the movie actually is. Okay, should we tell uh, them why? why? Yes. We haven't officially said that on the podcast yet. Oh yeah, we haven't. So um, we have a rule on this show. Um, I did mention it on Twitter. Um, so maybe they saw it there, but in case they didn't, uh, we'll bring it up again, which is um, there is a, a rule about uh, racial slurs that also applies to um, homophobic slurs and uh, transphobic slurs as well, which is three of them in a row directed to the same group by a uh, person who is not from that group. Um, that That's an immediate no. That's an immediate zero. And instead, we will find a movie from that group. Yeah. Uh, from the group of people that would that the slurs would have been directed at. This is mainly to counteract some of the wild bullshit that just happens in in the academy, and also means that we don't now have to watch most of uh, most of the Tarantino films. Um, um, I mean, we can if we want to, but I'm, I'm just sure, saying. I'm pretty sure Inglorious Bastards doesn't have any racial slurs. We'll see. Because it is about <laughs> Nazis, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I have no faith in it. Um, I, I have no that. faith in it, honestly. It does mean we don't have to watch Django Unchained. Thank fucking Jesus. Um, but yeah, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. I... You know, one of the things I never checked on the IMDb list, I really hope Birth of a Nation is not on there. Uh, but it feels like the type of thing that could be because it, it was a groundbreaking film at the time, but it was extremely shitty. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, God. I just looked at. Oh, I looked at the poster. Jesus fuck. Um, it has a yeah. 3.3, so no. It has a what? 6.3. Oh, thank God. I thought you said it had 3.3, which actually I would have been happier at, but I was like, what the f- Ooh, Jesus. But no, 6.3 makes more sense, given that that does like factor in historical things, but then also is like, no, this is a bullshit movie, and we hate this. Um, <laughs> oh, God. But anyway, so tune in Friday. It's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be a 
it's gonna be it's gonna be a different review than the one that we just gave y'all for this movie. But it takes place in the same place, which is kind of fun. Um, so anyway, with that, uh, be well, do as much good work as you possibly can, and like stay safe out there or something. Sure. Um, and turn up to some seal on a Monday. Oh fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> turn up to some Oh no, fuck. I lied. Turn up to some vampire weekend. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I I need to tell you I've never listened to Vampire Weekend, so I hope that was funny for everybody. That's not nearly it's funny for my brain, but it's funny just simply based on name alone. <laughs>